What's up, action fans? You are now listening to episode two of the Action Fulton podcast, hosted by me, Chris Fulton. Um, I hope everybody's out there. I <laughs> can't talk. I hope everybody out there is doing okay, doing good. Um, I know we uh we're going going through a lot of things as a country. You know, COVID. Um, winter storms people people are having it rough out there but uh, I hope to uh, doing this podcast I hope to get everybody get some at least some people to escape from the real world and have them entertained by some stuff that I care about and hopefully I can get you to care about at some point but here at the action Fulton podcast I review action movies, classics, blockbusters, cult favorites, new and old. So um, that's what I do. That's what I love. I love action movies. Really, I love all types of movies, but action movies are one thing that I grew up loving when I was a kid. Thanks to my dad. <laughs> you know, when I, when I was a kid, my dad used to watch a lot of movies when I was around him, you know, when we were just watching TV together. A lot of them were R-rated movies that I shouldn't have been watching, but a lot of them were just just classic. Some were just not good. <laughs> but uh, the first movie I I covered was Lethal Weapon. If you um want to go. Go back and listen to my first podcast episode, um, by all means. But this this episode, I'm doing Die Hard. Um, if you haven't seen it, I highly I highly advise you to do so. It's a great movie. Um, it starts off with John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, going to see his ex wife or soon to be ex wife. They um separated. And his ex-wife, his um, ex-wife is living with his kids in L.A. John McClane is a New York City cop, so he um, he's living in New York and visiting his family for the Christmas. And by doing that, he's going to his wife's um, his wife's job's Christmas party at the Nakatomi building, which the whole movie essentially takes place in, the famed Nakatomi movie, which is famous from this movie, the Nakatomi building, rather. <clears throat> so, um, the movie starts off as he, you know, he's on the plane and he's talking to some guy who sees that he's he's afraid of flying. And the guy says, if you're afraid of flying, when you get to your destination, make fists with your toes. And he said he's been doing this for a number of years and that every time he's done it, he's never had a problem. His fear of flying went away. So you'll see that um, John McClane does this later in the film and we'll reference back to it. But uh, John McClane, you know, he gets off the plane after talking to that guy and his limo driver Argyle young black dude is waiting for him with um, a name card to pick him up 
So he, uh, he gets him. He, you know, he's asking him a lot of questions, asking John McClane a lot of questions. You know, what brings you out to L.A. and this and that. You know, just picking his brain. And Argyle saying, you know, he's he's new. He's new doing this, and you can tell that he's pretty excited. But uh, Argyle comes up to be a pretty big character later on in the movie. Not too much of a big character, but he kind of comes through for Bruce Willis, um, Bruce Willis for um, when he needs him. So uh, John McClane tells Argyle to wait in the parking garage because... Um, John McClane doesn't plan on staying the whole Christmas party. They plan to go back home. Him and his wife plan to go back home to see the kids. But if you've watched any action movie or just probably any movie period in history, you can you, you know that not everything goes, nothing goes according to plan. So in this movie, it's no different. So um, Argyle's waiting in the parking garage And he essentially just He's there the whole movie So uh, John McClane he goes He checks, checks in at the front desk And you know there's a security guard And there's like a computer For you to check in And He's looking for his name His wife's name and obviously his last name, which is McLean. But um, his wife, Holly, she uh, she changed her name back to her, her, her name back to her maiden name. So you can tell that they're not the best of friends or they're, you know, that they've been through a lot. And she's probably still mad at him. But uh, this is a clear indication that it's um, you know that they've they're, they're on rocky ground, which every time I see it, every time I watch this movie, I just like who who wants to get a divorce from John McClane? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not gay, but <laughs> and if you are gay, that's cool. I don't got anything anything wrong with that. But if I was gay. I wouldn't mind messing <laughs> freaking John McClane, but uh, it's just a it's a clear indication that you know things went south in their marriage. But uh, so he signs in. He goes upstairs to the to the um her her room. And that's when she meets that. Well, that's when John McClane meets um, Holly's boss, and uh, so John, Holly's boss, Mister Taji, and the the guy who keeps flirting with with Holly. They're all in a or in Holly's office and so they're talking they're talking about holly and holly eventually walks in and they're just looking at her there's like an awkward silence and they're all looking at holly and you could tell that 
that things are, are awkward between Holly and John. Because obviously John doesn't know these people. And Holly doesn't have a huge, a great relationship with the, you know, with the guy that keeps on hitting on her. And her boss is just standing there. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, kind of, John and Holly are kind of in a weird place in their marriage. And so, um, her boss and the asshole, they, you know, they walk out of her office. So then John and Holly are in the office together <coughs> alone. And this is when John does the, um, the feet, the toes with fists, the feet with fists, um, to cure your fear of flying. When they, that's the, you know, the thing that the guy told him that if you want to cure your, cure your fear of flying, you can, you can do this with your feet, which I've never heard. I, I wouldn't say I have a fear of flying, but it's one of those things that if you, if you don't, if you never fly, you're obviously gonna be, you're obviously gonna be scared. But I don't. I wouldn't say I'm. I'm scared of flying. It's just a weird thing that um. <laughs> how would that cure your your fear of flying? I've never heard that. I don't even see what the the point of doing that would be. But anyway, the Hans Gruber's men and his, Hans Gruber and his goons they um they break in, they kill the um the um, front desk security guard, and then they they put one of their guys in to to um impersonate him to act as if he's one of the guards. And the um, the tech wizard Theo, he hacks the system, their security system, so he can um, he can hack the safe. This this is, when you think about it, this is essentially like a heist movie. But John McClane, you know, obviously he you know he foils their plan, but they're these guys are trying to they're you know they mean business. They're trying to go after bearer bonds. And Mr. Takaji is the guy who who they have to get to, to try to open the safe. But, um, and this is when Hans Gruber, he addresses the crowd. You know, he says, um, due to the Nakatomi Corporation's legacy of greed around the world, they're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. So for... For Hans Gruber, this isn't just about money. It's about power, about about showing who who's you know who who's the man. And I think in the movie they they show what Hans Gruber was. I, I forgot what they say he was a part of a terrorist group or syndicate or something. But the guy he you know they pretty much said that he. He's like a well-known like bad guy, so he's prob. This is this is like a statement for him, not just a get-rich statement. But uh, but then he um, Hans Gruber states to to um, Takaji's resume, 
and Takaji, as Hans was talking to the crowd, Takaji wasn't coming forth to say it was it's I'm Mr. Takaji, but eventually he comes out and says, identifies himself so to keep his employees safe, which was admirable. I mean, you don't want your employees to get killed because he because of you so you know he finally gave in and said who he was so um, during all this um McLean was barefoot because they <laughs> there's a funny <laughs> funny thing I'm gonna mention that um every time I, I watched this movie when I was younger I always wondered why he was always barefoot throughout the whole movie. Because when I was a kid, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't supposed to be really watching because our, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies. But um, when I was a kid, but um, I would watch the movie in bits and pieces. So I would watch it like towards the middle to the end or the ending of the movie. But he was barefoot because they raided the, they took over the office or took over the building when he was getting dressed, when he was changing his clothes. And he didn't have shoes on and he didn't have socks on. So throughout the whole movie, he's barefoot. So, but, uh, and I didn't mention that, um, I forgot who it was who walked in on him, but uh, I think it was Holly. Towards the beginning of the movie, the, um, she walked in two people trying to fuck during a Christmas party. It might have been him. I mean, it might have been Holly, or it might have been John. But I forgot to point that out. That. <laughs> parties in the 80s man you couldn't do that right now with the whole like me too movement and everything and just companies are real strict right now with the, you know with sexual <laughs> sexual relationships and stuff like that so the 80s were a different time back then <laughs> real different but back to back to the um John McClane with no shoes. So, um, and this is when the Asian guy from Leak the Weapon, who was in, who was in, yeah, the Asian guy from Leak the Weapon, the torture guy, he was one of the henchmen in Die Hard. Fun fact, but like I said, Hans, and as Hans was talking about Mr. Takaji, he um he knew what suit he was wearing a John Phillips London. And he said, "I have to myself." Arafat buys buys there in London, and Arafat was a Palestinian politician in, during the eighties, which I looked up. So you can see that you know Hans is just dropping, kind of, just dropping bits and pieces of he he holds himself to a high standard 
as to the way he talks, the way he presents himself. You can tell that not only does he feel like he's powerful, but he, he tries to present himself that way. The way he dresses, the way he he talks to John McClain on the phone, just you can tell he's very condescending and very meticulous. So, uh, Alexander so I wrote down some more notes that, uh, or, or quotes that, that Han says, he said, when Alexander saw the breath of his domain, he wept for there were no more worlds to conquer. So he's obviously talking about Alexander the Great when he, um, I think Alex didn't, at what age, I forgot what age he was when he conquered most of the world. Hold on, I'm looking it up now. Age. Alexander the Great. So it says Alexander the Great conquered most of the world, most of the known world at age 25. It says Alexander was an amazing soldier who led his army to conquer most much of the world. At this point, at the age of 25, Alexander ruled an expansive empire. So another another way of Hans Gruber showing that you know he values power. You know he um, he values power and and the ability to just take things, not really ask for them, but take them by force. And and that's that's what he what he um, defines as power. Hans, you can tell Hans is well-educated and concise, classical education. So, this, you know, usually people like that who are smart and they know a lot, they try to show that they know a lot and that they are smart by quoting people like that, saying certain things that only people like him would know so the um so as they once they they figure out who's Mr. Takaji they bring him down to it looks like a it's like a glass office but it looks like it's it's a, in a lower floor of the the building the the Nakatomi building um cause it looks like it was on the ground level but uh they want Mr. Takaji to give the code key for the vault to 640 million bear bonds so um they kill Mr. Takaji for not giving the code. Mr. Takaji refuses. 
You know, he says, I'm not going to give you the bearer bonds. And they shoot. They Actually, they blew his brains out. And it gets all over the, the glass <laughs> glass window. And John McClane, he, does he see it? Or I'm not sure if he sees it or he, um, he's, I think he's under the table when it happens. And he eventually sees that they killed him. And they hear, they hear John McClane in the back. And that's when his, um, Hans Gruber's men go after him. They start shooting the tables and stuff. And John McClane, you know, he kills him. And this is when John McClane pulls the fire alarm. The 911 comes, the calm alarm comes on, and alarm, uh, a call is made to the police officer the police and the only police on duty well not on duty but like in the area is Carl Winslow <laughs> from Family Matters obviously it's Carl Winslow don't the only fat cop only fat cop that's in the area <laughs> but he turns out to be a huge key in saving the day in this movie so he gets you got to give him his flowers too, but uh, they kill Mister Takaji, and uh, so uh, now that John McClane he's been he's been discovered, now it's kind of like a cat and mouse game between Hans Gruber and John McClane on the on the walkie talkies. They're talking, and John McClane's talking to to Carl Winslow on the talk walkie-talkie, and they're kind of, you know, figuring this thing out through on the walkie-talkies. And John McClane kills first guy down the stairs. Um. So. <sighs> The, um, so, so, they're trying to get bearer bonds, and I had to look up what bearer bonds are, because, I mean, I've, I'm sure most people don't even know what a bearer bond is, but it says, the bearer bond is a physical certificate with coupons attached that are used to redeem the interest payments. As their ownership is not registered, the owner of a bearer bond is the person in possession of it. Bearer bonds are as valuable as cash to theft or loss. So I guess they're like... I guess IOUs for the bank I don't know bearer bonds also have the value and interest payments printed on them many bonds are valued at 5000 so I guess if somebody owes somebody money if you have bearer bonds I guess you're owed that money per se I don't know, but that's what they were they were trying to get from Mr. Takaji. But that would make sense. 
if if Mr. Takaji's company had bearer bonds because it was like a finance or banking company. And if you have a ton, it says this says that many bonds are valued at five thousand dollars. So it sounded like they were trying to steal like a, t- a shit ton of bear bonds. So nine one one call comes. Carl Winslow he circles the grounds of the building. He doesn't see anything. He doesn't see anything, and the nine one one calls cancel. That's when John McClane he's banging on the window and banging on the window to get the cops' attention. But they obviously can't hear him, so he, because um, he's like on the top floor, but um, the um, he's banging on the window, and um, Carl Winslow's the um, guy who plays Carl Winslow from. From Family Matters is circling around in his car, but he doesn't see anything. Figures, cause he, I mean, he's probably like the laziest cop ever. <laughs> um, so McLean tries to transmit on the roof to a radio signal. So that's when John McLean goes on the radio roof to transmit a signal to nine one one, and that's when they um. Hans Gruber's men, he, they hear on the, the walkie-talkies, the, the frequency, the same frequency, and they come on the roof to get him, and 911 calls back, calls back, and, and, um, asks the cop to check, to go check the building. Go check the go check the go back and check the building, and um, I had it wrong. So, looking through my notes, the um, McLean he pulls the fire alarm, which calls nine one one, and. The, um, which calls nine one one. They uh they get the dispatcher in the front desk, security quote unquote security guard. He gets a call back. Well, he gets a call. Yeah, a call back from nine one one, saying you know what's the emergency and this and that, and he calls it off because he's one of Hans Gruber's men. So that's when John McClane he he goes up. He goes up to the roof to transmit a message back to nine one one, and that's when they get a black and white police car in the area, which is Carl Winslow, to go back and check to go and check on it, and that's when he's in the the store buying up the the cakes. <laughs> And he says, my wife is, is pregnant or whatever. And the guy says, you know, he's like, yeah, right, <laughs> whatever. So John McClane, he's in the air vents. And um, 
he said this is one you know one of his famous lines now i feel not now i know what a tv dinner feels like and family guy actually made a a joke about that i mean family guy make they make jokes about everything obviously but especially 80s movies 80s shit 80s music that I, th- I think this the episode they made that joke on the episode they made it was the one when um Peter goes back to the 80s and it was like a um, kind of like a spoof on Black Back to the Future but it was like if Lois married he married she married um um quagmire like peter did something to mess up the, the past. he did something in the past to mess up the future and chris and meg and stewie they're all disappearing from the picture like and back to the future so <laughs> that that just shows how much of of a um like to the, how much 80s 80s movies 80s films 80s music um affects the culture or or um influences the culture because a t a cartoon tv show that comes out 20 30 years later is is like doing jokes for it and actually made a whole episode about it it was I mean it wasn't a diehard episode, but that one joke, which was in the movie, is now in, in a cartoon. It's crazy. It's just you know, but um, random guy working on set, not telling who's driving the car. Stevie Wonder. So, <laughs> so <laughs> when uh so uh when John McClane sees Carl Winslow driving the car and the police car from the top floor, he says, Who's driving the car, Stevie Wonder? <laughs> That's um <laughs> Um and then, yeah, McLean throws the guy out the window to to um get the guys to get Carl Winslow's attention. Police surround Nakatomi Plaza, and that's when. After that, that's when um Carl Winslow gets the he, he gets the the cavalry to come everybody to come when when that happens because then he he sees that something is going on in that building so he gets he gets everybody to come and they meet they meet on the um the radio for the first time carl winslow and well now his name's pal yeah his name is in my his name is in my notes so i'm gonna call him pal for now on and not carl winslow so uh they um they meet on the radio for the first time and and Hans Gruber well his men can hear them. So Roy's McLean on the radio. So they gave each other names to 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 hide 
hide the identity of John McClane. And uh, reporters want the story. And you can, uh, you'll see that these reporters, man, they 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 were some assholes. Especially the one reporter who kind of who just went above and beyond for the wrong reasons. Um. McLean's wife gives her demands to Hans and glances at a photo. So she um there was a, wasn't there a pregnant employee and she wanted she wanted them she wanted to protect the employee. She had to go to the bathroom. So she said that uh, I forgot what she said. What, what what would she do in exchange to let the girl go to the bathroom? It was something. It was something. And for the girl to go to the bathroom. But she glanced at her kid's photo. I don't know why she did that. She glanced at her kids. Or was her kids or John McClain? But she glanced at the photo. And pretty much that gave... That gave it away. That... Um, well, it wasn't that, but Hans knew that she had family. So um, Argyle finds out. Argyle, remember Argyle in the limo, the limo driver. Argyle finds out on the new t on the TV limo about her kids. About her, what? No, no, not about her kids, but about the. Um, what's going on at the Nakatomi Plaza which he's there he's there he's just in the parking garage police storm Nakatomi Plaza um they storm Nakatomi Plaza in an armored vehicle armored car which John McLean told Powell not to tell the cops not to do it because they were pretty much sitting ducks outside and the they blow up the car with a rocket launcher. The thing was freaking. <laughs> it was such a stupid plan on the cops' part because they they storm it in an armored vehicle, like a SWAT vehicle, or whatever. And they try to go up the stairs, and they're just sitting right there. And a <laughs> Hans Gruber's man gets like a. Get they get a rocket launcher. A rocket launcher. And they bolt it to the ground. <laughs> and they shoot like three, two shots. Blow up the whole armored vehicle. This McLean blows up lower half of the building. So he, um. So he gets. The C4 that he, he got from the one of the first guys that he killed. And he attaches it to a computer. On a computer monitor. And he wraps it up to a chair. He throws it down the elevator shaft. And blows up the lower half of the building. To um. Uh. Um, why do you do that? 
と Well, John McClane, he he blows up the the half the lower half of the building to uh to blow up the guys that sent the that that shot the the rocket launcher. So he he did it to so he did it to 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 save the cops, get the cops, essentially save the cops, and so they won't blow up any more shit. But I've always wondered this, like when I was a kid, that why. You know, if you if you set a uh, you have a computer monitor and you you set it to to see for a while to blow up, but I was looking up that you the charge from the the computer monitor. I guess it's the charge from the computer monitor and the fact that if you throw it down an elevator shaft, it may spark or any type of com- combustion or any type of commotion could have the the C4 explode to combust. So I guess the the computer monitor was supposed to act as if a like a um, some type of uh fuse per se and that that was supposed to make the C4 combust. But um John McClane he he gets it done. He blows the lower half of the building up. Those cops got blown up by the rocket launcher, and uh, you know that that's when the cops are like, you know, what the hell is who's in there? What what the hell are they doing? Is there somebody somebody else in there that's not a terrorist? And the cops want to know who John Mc, who John McClane is, but really it's it's a who who this guy is that Carl Wenzel's character is talking to, but obviously they didn't give each other their names. Well, John McClain didn't give his real name to Carl Carl Winslow. He gave him a fake name. So this is just it just shows that you know the cops really weren't they weren't obviously they weren't prepared for this and taking matters into their own hands didn't really work, but. They get into like where Hans was. He Hans, like where did he originate from? And Hans was a member of the German Volksfire movement, and he got kicked out. So he he was obviously like a. I guess he was like the biggest asshole of them of of all, and he got kicked out of his terrorist organization for just being alone. I guess a lone wolf or just being somebody that they didn't want to work with so they kicked him out. And uh I guess that's a how a lot of like terrorist organizations they work like you know if you're not on the side of the main terrorists or the, like the main the side of the main like sect they'll kick you out. Like on so some like bane from from the Dark Knight Rises, they kicked him out of the the League of Shadows. 
which like if <laughs> I guess you're like the most serious or the most sinister, the most like crazy person of them all. They're like, man, we can't we can't fuck with this dude. <laughs> so <laughs> they kick you out. Like it's like who are you to tell me <laughs> that that I'm the worst of them all? Like, dude, you like cutting people's heads off and killing young children as just like I am. So I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> but they um obviously they don't say what what he did, but they kicked him out. I'm guessing it was for shit like that, like this, like he just taking a whole building. But we don't know. We we don't know because that's what terrorists do. So we it was just something that they mentioned in the movie and in the uh, the asshole that that. McLean's ex-wife worked with he eventually he gave up McLean's identity over the over the radio it's over the radio well he he found out he um not over the radio but he knew that McLean was the one you know was the one there messing up Hans Gruber's plans so he told Hans Gruber who who John McLean is and that it's it's McLean's ex-wife's husband I mean yeah it was McLean's ex-wife's husband and Hans Gruber calls his wife in his ex McLean's ex-wife in and he's questioning questioning her and she looks over to the picture and she pretty much gave, gives herself up and she sees that she has a family and stuff and and then the reporter when the reporter goes he the reporters on the um they get the news story they want to write a get a story so they they go to the house of Mrs. McLean McLean well McLean's ex-wife and they want to talk to the kids and they that they get they see the babysitter and they say that they threaten the babysitter with um sending her back to Mexico or back to her country if they don't let her in let them in and they they interview the kids and is a shit show it just shows like like people they really do shit like that like reporters and stuff they're not really out for like the the well-being of the victim or like the stuff the things that happen to the person if the person died or got killed they don't care about the family they care about their own story so like you'll see at towards the end of the movie how she confronts that like with the, the reporter like she you know he gets what he deserves but um hans gives demands on people he wants pe- he wants people released from prison northern ireland new provo front Canada, 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 the imprisoned leaders of the Liberté of Quebec and Canada, and Sri Lanka Asian Dawn Movement. But he's playing the LAPD, so he wants all these releases for <laughs> all these phony, like pretty much terrorist sects. Well, they're probably they're more they're real terrorist sex, but he's he's giving him giving him fake demands to just fuck with them, and so then after that, 
the FBI takes over the situation. It has a uh, two FBI agents is a black FBI agent and a white FBI agent and one of the FBI a black FBI agent was an elite weapon he was in the first scene or it was the first scene when Danny Glover's in his office and it's like the scene right before he meets Mel Gibson when Mel Gibson's taking the gun well he thinks he's taking a gun out and then he tackles him tries to tackle him and then Mel Gibson like flips him over in the office and then Hans poses as a hostage at, to fool McLean. So, um, look, he, uh, Hans, he goes and looks for McLean himself. And he's, he's acting like he, and then he eventually finds McLean. And McLean, uh, I forget, uh, I'm not sure, I forgot how he did it, but. He sees McLean and he, um, McLean, he sees McLean and he tries to see if he shows that he's in distress, like a, like a hostage. And then he gets rid of his British accent. He, he, you know, he makes himself look like he's, he's a hostage, but he's unharmed. So then McLean believes him. Well, McLean doesn't get full loads up an empty gun Hans says says to shoot glass McLean doesn't have so he Hans Gruber tells his men to to shoot at the glass after after um Hans Gruber and John McLean have that little exchange with the the cigarettes. He tell he John McClain asks, you know, if he's a smoker, and then he's and uh, he asks him what his name is, and then Hans Gruber looks at the the address, the name address list, and he says his name is Bill Clay. And at that point, you can kind of tell John McClain he knows that Hans Gruber is full of shit, cause he, you know, he he's like, all right, all right, all right, man, whatever. So then he. He gives him a gun. Well, then he asks, is he a smoker? And he, you know, Hans Gruber says, yeah. And he asks him, has he ever held a gun, shot a gun before? And he says, I did a weekend retreat at a combat, a combat ranch or whatever. And he said, I was playing the stupid games with the red paint. So obviously he's talking about paintball, but... You know, he could, you could tell John McClane still thinks he's full of shit. So then he, he's like, um, he, he, uh, he puts a mag, uh, a mag in the gun and it's an empty, it's an empty mag or whatever. And you don't know it's empty when, until when Hans Gruber is pointing a gun at him and and John McClane is calling his bluff, walking up to him and saying, you know, he figures him out. He's like, you know, what are you going to do? And he tries to shoot, shoot John McClane. It's not clicking. It's, it's a fake gun. Well, it's, it's an empty gun. <laughs> and when John McClane's like, um, you know, it's empty. Then right then and there, the, the elevator beeps and it's Hans's men shooting at John McClane. John McClane runs runs for cover. 
John McClane shoots one guy. He shoots one guy, and he's starting to run, run into the other offices. And then he, Hans Gruber is telling him that shoot at the, shoot at the, the glass because he's not wearing shoes. And they're all it's a gunfight. And at that, uh, the the guy uh, with the long hair, with the, the blonde hair, the big dude. It's just him and John McClane. And then shooting at each other. And then uh, Hans Gruber realizes, he, he remembers he's not wearing shoes. So shoot at the glass. Shoot at the glass. He tells Carl to shoot at the glass. And put in German. So um, after shooting the glass, McLean he he runs to the he has to run through all the glass and his feet are like fucking like shot just ripped up and bleeding from running on the glass. So um, he he crawls to the bathroom all bloodied up, and at this point the uh, Hans Gruber has an explosive, so now now they can rig. The hella helicopter pad for it to blow, and uh, and Riggs is talking to Powell, um, Carl Winslow, talking to Powell, and uh, he's ta- they're talking about how uh, Powell he became a uh, a desk jockey. He shot a kid by accident. He shot a kid by accident, and uh, that's what prompted him to get the they say it was it was dark he shot a 13 year old kid it was dark he had a ray gun toy ray gun and it was when he was a rookie and he shot him and that's what happened when he he had to go down to a desk job so the FBI they take out the power and Theo, the the computer hacker guy, he was saying that uh, they got like one more, one more grid, not one more grid, but like one more anvil to go through, or one one more lock to go through. And if they take out the power, it'll essentially take out the power for the for the auto lock or the the lock of the safe. And now they can get into it. And he was saying that it's going to be hard to get through that last one. But Hans Gruber said, you know, it's Christmas. So Hans says, you know, it's Christmas and, you know, good things come on Christmas and we're going to get this money. So the the safe eventually opens and... Uh, and McLean is on the roof, and the FBI thinks that McLean is the, is the terrorist, and the uh, they blow the roof up. Hans and his men they blow the roof up, and the helicopter, the chopper, the FBI chopper gets blown up. So all those FBI agents who thought they were big shit, <laughs> uh, ironically, get blown up with one swoop, and. McLean shoot Argyle Holmes shows up. So then 
at this point is really just the John McClain because the feds were essentially no help. So so now so now Hans and his men are like they they have the money. Well, they're able to break break into the the the, the safe and get the bear bonds and the money and jewels and stuff like that. Cuz now the the safe has opened up and really the only the only hostage that they have and that they care about is John McClane's wife, well ex-wife, and you know they bring her, they uh they get the money and then they they have her at the like the oh, I forgot where they have her at it's like the uh the t- yeah it's the top of the building they have her at the top of the building and John McClane eventually shows up and you know he he's John McClane saying the John. Hans Gruber calls him John Wayne. John Wayne, you know, he he called him John Wayne throughout the movie and then John McClane says that's that's not John Wayne, it's Gary Cooper. And uh it's the Gary it's Gary Cooper you're talking about, not John Wayne in that particular movie. And Hans Gruber says you you know, you're just a John Wayne, you're, you know, a stupid American cowboy. It's trying to save Grace Kelly. And John McClane says it's not John John Wayne, it's Gary Cooper, and then he uh he has his the gun tied to his back, he shoots the guy, and he shoots he shoots the guy one of um Hans Gruber's men, and then he shoots he shoots Hans and Hans falls out the window holding on to John's ex wife and. And he falls out the window, and he's holding his wife, and then he, uh, what is she, he loosens his wife's watch, which Hans Gruber is holding on to, and he falls to his death. He falls to his death down to the Takashi building. And that's, that's pretty much it. That's the end of the movie. That's how... (laughs) That's how um, Hans Gruber dies. He falls out of a building, and then um, they go down. And, you know, they meet with Powell and the cops and stuff. And and there's one guy. Powell shoots one. There's one guy. At least there's actually one guy. One bad guy left. And he uh, and Powell and John McClane shoot them both. When you think everything was all safe and. Guy wakes up or whatever. He he's not really dead, and they sh- both shoot him. And then Holly Holly McClain punches the reporter that uh pretty much put her children in danger and put her family in danger. And that's pretty much it. That's 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 Die Hard one. So uh, check it out. It's a great movie. It's a classic movie. Uh, I'm gonna um I'm gonna be recording. As much as I can, recording podcasts for you. This is my second episode. Uh, bear with me. I know times are crazy right now, but uh, you can find me on Instagram at cjf1788. You can find me on, uh, yeah, really. I'm just really on Instagram and on uh on YouTube at the Action Fulton Podcast.
on YouTube. I'm gonna be posting on YouTube. I don't have any videos on YouTube now, but I'm gonna be posting on YouTube. I'm gonna be um, eventually gonna be posting my um my my episodes on YouTube. But yeah, find me on Instagram. I post. Uh, thanks guys. Thanks. Uh, until next time. Until next time, action movie lovers. Um, keep on watching action movies.